Hey guys, welcome to Content People. I am your host, Meredith Farley. Trying to edit a bit less and just let it be a slightly more natural conversation. I'm actually like super inspired by Pete Holmes's podcast. Do you know him? I don't. Oh, I love it. I think it's really, he talks about really interesting ideas. And it was actually a content people newsletter subscriber who recommended it to me. And he'll do things like a guest is, I have to pee. And he'll be like, yeah, we'll pause, go for it. And I really like that authenticity. But that's the beauty of podcasts is you feel like you're in the room with And yeah, you have to let it just be so how was your vacation? It was lovely. It was just me, my dad, and my sister. And it was so nice to just not have to worry about kids <laughs> and make sure they were having a good time. All I had to do was make sure I was having a good time. Yeah. Very foreign territory for me, but much, much needed. That sounds nice. And then I was sick last week. I think you said you were under the weather too. Did yeah. you get like traveling or? I don't know. My my daughter was sick and I thought it was just allergies, but then I was sick. So I think I might have got something from her or it could have been traveling. There's just been something going around. So who knows? I'm glad you're feeling better and things are rescheduling. It sounds like it was good for both of us. Yeah. 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 Uh, Priscilla, I serious i think i say this all the time and i always mean it but i seriously have really been looking forward to this conversation with you i feel like every time we talk i just you're just full of so much info but also good energy and i just love talking to you so thank you oh, for making the time to do that's so nice i went into this field of communications because i love to talk <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for having me on your podcast and allowing me the space to share yeah, I guess I should have thought about that. Like you are in communication. <laughs> That's your thing. I'm like, God, Priscilla's just so good at communicating and connecting <laughs> and talking. That's good to hear because sometimes I don't feel like I'm so great at communicating, but it's a nice reminder that I'm in the right place. For anyone who doesn't know you, could you just say a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Priscilla Vega and a mom of two. Ina is 11 and Ozzy seven. And I am the founder of PR Vega, which is a PR agency. But I, I like to reference it more as creative communications because PR has evolved so much. I went to school and learned PR and more of what we do is more custom catered to what the specific brand needs because one brand can need traditional PR and that works well for them. And then another brand is more influencer outreach or perhaps it's affiliates. It's not the same formula for every brand. So we're really custom to whatever the brand needs. That's so interesting. I never thought about that, but like communications has been a major for decades, but influencers as like half of all PR and communication strategies, it seems are, you know, maybe five years-ish. Like how, what is, what am I even trying to ask? Like how have things changed since you went to school for it? And what are the things that you're finding you're just having to keep up with as they evolve? Yeah, I think one of the main things that 
has changed in this space of PR and press relations is the way press absorbs information that is getting pitched at them. Because I find that with Instagram, all reporters and editors and publications are on Instagram and they're seeing brands and what they're doing. And before it was the only way that they would see things is things that were coming up, right? So you would pitch them, you would email them. But now they're seeing things on Twitter. They're seeing things on Instagram. They're interacting with brands so much more than I think they did before. So it's the brand's responsibility to look at it through the lens of everything I do on social is not, it's not just my consumer that's looking at me, it's potential press, potential investors, potential mm -hmm. partners. There's, you have to speak to everyone at once where it was before it was like, okay, I'm going to do that and that's going to speak to my Instagram and I'm going to write a press release and that's going to speak to potential press. And I'm going to do, there were like specific channels, things, but now it's just, I'm putting something out there and who knows who's going to see it and who knows what opportunities that might bring, but I'm going to put it out there and it's going to hopefully appeal to the masses. I feel like you actually just articulated something about my work that I haven't articulated to myself, which is like for one of my clients, she is, she's an incredible story. She has a seven figure business that she's bootstrapped and she has really built it up through a huge Instagram following and community, almost a hundred K followers. But the work we're doing on LinkedIn for her is a bit of like just another space to introduce people to the really cool aspects of the brand and product, but also a bit of like potential investor interest mm -hmm. generation. But it is so it gets every message you're weaving in little like little Easter eggs for potential audiences. Oh, if an investor reads this, we want to reference this. But if a potential employee reads this, we want to make sure we're highlighting X, Y, Z. Like it's I hadn't really thought about it so much, especially I'm thinking in relation to social, but I presume you're thinking even outside of social and maybe yeah, know. I'm such a visual person. I like to think of the work we do as more like a quilt. There's yes. all patchwork of, okay, here, this is the bucket where we're talking to the consumer. And this is the bucket where we're, perhaps there's like press that's watching us or a potential investor. You never really know who's watching and you never really know what the outcome is going to be. And we were talking about this last time we talked, but I was saying how everything I do is so intuitive. It's, I don't know yeah. why we're going to do this, but I just know feels good to do it and the outcome may not be next week it may not even be next year but eventually this will come back around and we're going to be really glad we did this um i'm so excited to dig in i've got some questions prepped for you about your intuitive approach which i love but i also want to just say so i'm rereading all the harry potter books and uh -huh. after we talk have you read them do you know that yeah like yeah a few days ago, I was reading book six when Harry takes that like Felix's lucky elixir or something. And like the way it works is it just please, I feel like I need to go to Hagrid's hut, etc. And I was thinking about our conversation and I was like, I feel like you with PR are like Harry with the elixir. Where you're like, <laughs> I, guys, I can't that. say why, but I just know we need to go X here. And you're like in alignment with things in a really yes. cool way. And it's that approach. It, I've learned over time that because I can't really articulate what it is we need to do something, it doesn't really totally make sense at that time. But I'm trying to be somewhat 
of not intuitive, that's not the word, but it's just like being a visionary. I know that social is going to end up going down this road. I know we need to focus more on video. So let's just try to create more video content. Or I know that eventually this publication is going to be purely online. So we need to create content that reads better online than in, or we should be, because we have something going on three months from now, we should be pitching this angle. So it's, I think PR is a lot of being able to predict what's happening before it happens so they mm-hmm. get ahead of it. And that's part of the reason why I chose this profession. It's because it feels like a nice mixture of there's this psychology to it, like trying to get into people's brains and see what makes them tick and what they want to purchase and what they want to purchase it. And then there's also this just like getting ahead of the curve being somewhat of a fortune teller in some way and it's just fun oh my gosh there's so much I want to say in response to that when you're talking about being an intuitive person and like you're in I'd imagine you're in a situation with a client and you're like I don't have data on this but I really feel xyz I feel like intuition is so helpful and important in business. But in situations like that, for me, I know I've felt it can feel complex in the moment. I'm thinking actually of moments where I was like managing people and I was like, this is just my really strong instinct. And if it was a person who was like, but Meredith, like what's the data behind the decision? Earlier on, I felt very insecure and uncomfortable asking other people to just follow my gut and then over time something I got a little more okay with and I was like I get that you don't see it the way I see it and you're finding this a confusing choice but this is my call and I could end up with like egg on my face but this is what we're doing right but I don't think there's a lot of space in the business world to like really talk openly about making big decisions with as much intuition and gut feeling as data and sometimes in the moment, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but I feel insecure. And I think I'm not, I can't articulate this. Like maybe I sound or look like an idiot, but this is just my feeling. I don't know. Do you ever feel like that? Or are you just full of grace and you're like, this well, is my gut, guys? <laughs> I think from top to bottom, there has to be trust. When Pierre Vega was larger before the pandemic and we had a really healthy roster and I had a team of people working for me. It was, I had to trust these people and these people had to trust me, especially because again, it's not really formulated the work that we do. It's really fluid in, okay, you're going to do this today and you're going to do this today. It was every day my team had different tasks. Mm -hmm. And um, I think part of what makes intuitive work so difficult is that like level of accountability when you have KPIs and there's like these specific goals that you're achieving, once you achieve them, you check off that box. Okay, we did that. Now moving on to the next thing. But a lot of the work we do, there's no real end goal. It's just outputting. Like we're going to reach out to so many publications. We're going to get as many press hits as we can. We're going to build out this campaign. We're going to reach as many people as possible. It's not like you can't necessarily say, okay, we're going to reach 1.2 million. Or right. we're gonna 700,000 people. It's just like this world of social. It's, it's really infinite when you think about it because when something goes out there, out there forever, 
So someone, it could be like immediately 20,000 people will see it, but over time, it will build out into the millions. Creating a goal of a specific number is really difficult for this kind of work because ideally, I think what you want is longevity. You want it to be evergreen. You want whatever you put out there to resonate with people tomorrow and 10 years from. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And it's a helpful viewpoint on things because at least specifically to social, I think I was talking to a friend about this the other day and we were like, you never know. Sometimes I'm like, I once had a prospect. There's this post I did a year and a half ago and I was like, that was a dud. (laughs) Like, And then the prospect was like, oh, I started following you because you posted this quote. It really resonated with me. And I thought the things we think are like, oh, this thing went out and got a lot of like vocal response or support. That must have been a successful X, Y, Z. Whatever we're putting out in the ether can still have positive or negative ramifications years later. And I could see from a PR perspective too, it's so hard because you're like, hey, this might get you a book deal in four years, but I can't report on it this week. Exactly. And I also, when I meet with colleagues and potential new clients and really just anyone, I love when they say, oh, I remember this thing you did five years ago. I'm like, really? That resonated with me? That's so awesome. I love hearing that whatever we're doing today, we may talk about five years from now, this podcast. Someone might say, oh, I heard you on this podcast or Meredith, I discovered you because Priscilla shared this podcast. Like, who knows? But it's exciting to think about things just continue to grow and evolve and positive impact, hopefully, on the things that we do in the future. Hey guys, interrupting this interview for 10 seconds to talk about Medberry. Medberry is a social media agency that I founded in 2023 and we produced this podcast. Our promise is pretty simple. We create social media strategies that really, really work. We offer LinkedIn, Instagram, and newsletter management for founders, execs, entrepreneurs, public figures, and brands. Our clients often see significant results within just a few weeks of us working together. We're fun to work with, and we'd love to help you. You can check out our website, sign up for our newsletter, or shoot us an email. Everything's in the show notes. Okay, back to the interview. So to drill down a little into the nitty gritty, what are the kind of projects and clients that you're working with PR Vega right now? What kind of work are you guys doing? I am that's evolving right now as we speak. There was a time when I was known as the baby PR person because I had babies. And that's really how PR Vegas started. We started with the baby brand and then that became a huge success. And then by word of mouth, other people in baby brand world found out I was doing consulting and I was helping startups, female startups. And so the very beginning of Pure Vega was purely focused on baby. And then as my babies got older, I started exploring other brands and other options that I would be fun for me to promote and for me to help in those early stages of their businesses. And where I found that I was hitting my stride is when I represented brands I used in my everyday. Mm-hmm. So it was like 
a clothing brand that I wore all the time. It was jewelry that I wear always. It was like I was the walking billboard for all my clients because I really believed in what they were doing. I was like their number one cheerleader and it felt. And so then when I pitched them to press, I came at it from a spot that I was like honest. And it was this is this jewelry is truly the best. And this is why. And this clothes is slow fashion and the founder behind it is passionate about what she does. It came from a real place of purpose and just substance. And I really enjoyed that work. Now I'm evolving into a place where I feel like I want to do more nonprofit work. I feel like I want to work with more women of color, some diversity. I really think there's room to support other brands. The difficult part at it all is typically women of color, and I'm a woman of color, and I'll say this for myself, is we feel like we need to wear all this. feel like I need to do my own design, and I need to do my own PR pitching, and I need to do my own marketing and accounting and all of those things because I can do it. Mm-hmm. Bringing in help is a really hard thing for me to do. And I know this when I pitch women of color brands and I say to them, let me help you. Let me support you in this PR lane because I believe in what you're doing and I think that we can do great work together. Oftentimes I'll hear, Priscilla, this is awesome. I'd love to do that. I could really use your help, but I'm just doing it on my own. And so I think that over these next, over this next year, I'm going to make it my goal to try to support more women of color and try to get them to see it's okay to not wear all the hats. It's okay to not do all the things. You should be supported in different areas. And in order to to be successful, you have to let that go. You have to let a PR person think about PR for you all the time and a marketing person think about marketing for you all the time. Whoever's going to get you out there on LinkedIn, it's like you trust. Again, a word of trust. You have to trust. These people are going to do their job and they're going to help you be successful yeah i feel like sound like all of your pitching like every step that it's evolved it's just evolved from a place of what you feel and it's so authentic and like service that you feel really drawn to provide like what i wonder if you could just tell folks a little bit about like your professional journey to date because i know you had some cool work before pr vega too like where did you start and how did you get to this amazing place? Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today and just how I've told this story a few times and I really wanted to give it a new spin for you in this podcast. And a, a new PR angle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, come on, can you freshen it up a bit for some? So I always start with this and I think it's really important to explain how I got to where I am right now. But when I was in college, I thought I was going to work in the movie industry. Like growing up in Southern California and LA, it was just always a part of what interested me. And so I went to study media arts and they make you take the school that I went to is Chico State, Chico. They um, make you take a, a minor, pick up a minor, something outside of what you're doing. And I thought public relations just sounded really interesting. Oh, I like talking to people and I'm curious about just what that, what, convincing someone to buy something or convincing someone to do something or being a storyteller in general just sounded really fun. So I picked it up as a minor. And first 
time, really. School was never super easy for me. I always had to work hard at it. But for the first time, I discovered something that just was like second nature. I just couldn't take like too many PR classes. I wanted to do the ethics class and I wanted to do the writing class and the design class. And so I ended up picking it up as a double major because it was just like I finally felt like I found something that was meant for me. And I was already thinking through what PR agency I was going to work for right at the college. Like I couldn't wait to graduate and get out of there and start working in PR. And then the professor said to me, Priscilla, we're not preparing you for what it is you're going to do at a college. We're preparing you for eventually what you're going to be doing. And that kind of crushed me a little bit because I was ready. I was ready to get out there. And um, it, it brought me back down a little bit and made me think, okay, I know I'm eventually going to land in PR. So what am I going to do right out of college that will give me the tools to be a better PR person? And my first job out was event production because I wanted to travel. And this job in particular did events in Vegas and London and New York and everywhere. I thought, well, that sounds fun. Like traveling is something that I didn't really get to do a lot of. Uh, so I got this job and I traveled a lot and it's a lot of hard work. I didn't anticipate how hard events were because you really, you're the first one in and the last one. But it was a really great learning experience for me. And without knowing it at the time, a lot of the PR work I do now is event driven. It's producing oh, product launches and it's like Valentine's Day events and holiday events. And it's all specific to the client. And that first job really gave me all the tools to know how to produce events under pressure, to be cool, to not like stress out about it. It's definitely stressful, but I can navigate level of stress. And then once I was, I felt, okay, I got like the foundation of event production. It, it was just time to move on to something different. And I thought, what sounds fun to me? And at that time, it was concerts and music. And I really wanted to be in the music industry. I also really wanted to meet John Mayer. So I, <laughs> I thought I need to get a job in music. I need to meet John Mayer and I need to figure out what music marketing is all about. And so I got a job for a music manufacturing company in L.A. called Line 6. And I worked in the marketing department. And the PR person there said to me, like, oh, I, I realize you have a PR background. Would you like to write some press releases? Would you like to see what PR is like in music? And she took me under her wing a bit and opened up the world for me. And I also didn't really know a lot about product marketing. And I learned so much from that job. I also did meet John Mayer so that... I was going to ask. You did. <laughs> like there a spark? What was the vibe? It was wonderful. We made eye contact. It was just really, it was just a really kind of surreal experience. But I felt like I had invested felt like I was like, I got into this work because I wanted to meet John Mayer and here he is and everything's happening for a reason. And then from there, I felt like I was ready to do more heavy hitting PR work. And I was feeling like this is the moment where I need to lean into my PR. I was feeling like I was losing it. Passion for PR because I was enjoying marketing so much. And so I saw a job listing 
for a media relations specialist in NASA. And I thought, that's crazy. I don't even know why I'm even looking at this. I never enjoyed science or math growing up. I know about space, but not much about space. <laughs> why would anybody hire me to do that job? But I applied for it anyway. And when, and that interview process was intense because there were 12 people sitting at a long table and I was the only one on the other side. Whoa. It was really terrifying. And I just went into it thinking, I'm not going to get this job, so I might as well just show them who I am. And I shared a lot about my social media background because in music marketing, it was like, first time Twitter started. And so we just went for it. We started a Twitter account and really built out social in the very early stages of social. And that's what most of my interview was about. It was about social media and what I knew in that space. And at the time, I didn't realize, but everyone across the table was at least 10, 15 years older than I was. So social media was a very kind of new and maybe even scary thing for them. But I spoke from a place where just of confidence around social. And I ended up getting hired, not for the media relations position, but for the social media position. And someone else got the media relations job. But when we started, it became really clear that I was more passionate about writing and PR. And she was more passionate about social media. So then we just switched jobs. <laughs> Were you like, we don't need to tell anybody, we can just go. Well, I'm just going to do your job and you're going to do my job and it's going to be great. And then I got assigned the technology and education beat at NASA. So in the communications department, it works very much like a magazine where everyone has specific beats or like a newspaper. There was the Mars beat. There was the Earth beat, outer solar system beat. It was just really interesting how everyone had their specific area of the solar system of space. And this is so interesting. So it's kind of like a sitcom. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Keep going. But like no. the visuals are great too. Trust me, every day felt surreal. Every day that I was walking onto my NASA job, I, was, I would think to myself, okay, today's the day that they're going to figure out that I don't, I'm not qualified for this. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. But it was, it was so fun because I went into it with that in mind. Like, all right, I'm going to have hire for a reason. I'm just going to do this job. And I remember one of the first things I did there was it was International Dance Day was coming up. And there was this robot that I was assigned to write about. And it's this massive robot designed to go to the moon. And it moves super super slow like an inch like every 15 minutes or something it's just the slowest largest thing and I thought what if we sped it up? like we have this video this very slow moving robot let's speed it up and we sped it up and it looked like it was dancing wow. we called it the dancing robot and we pitched it just so you think you can dance, because everyone submitted videos of themselves dancing on International Dance Day, and it got picked up. And so you think you could dance during the middle of the episode. We're like, and even NASA participated on International Dance Day, and it felt like the biggest win. And it really gave me this like level of confidence. Okay, 
that's why they they hired me to the, infuse my own creativity and my own interests because I am NASA's target audience. I I love space. I don't know that much about it, but I'd like to know more about it. So I just need someone to like meet me where I'm at. Yeah. To me about space. That's so cool. As as yeah. you're talking about it, I'm thinking a funny aspect of imposter syndrome, I think, is we think everyone else is smarter than me, except they have a blind spot about me. And it's like all these NASA folks, this 12, this quarry of terrifying interviewers probably saw so much in you and they knew what they were doing when they hired you. Yeah, it was such an incredible time to be there also because we were getting ready to land the Curiosity rover on Mars. Wow. My specific role turned from the technology and education beat to media training the scientists and engineers that were going to be in front of the camera during this mission. Wow. And that, my media training background came from event production. When I would media train all these CEOs of these companies right before they got on stage, I would coach coach them through presenting themselves with more confidence, being able to talk to this large group. And you'd think they're CEOs. Like, they, of course can talk to their company, but you put a mic on someone and you put them on stage and you'll be surprised. Like even the most confident people get nervous. And so it was my job at this event production company to coach them through how to feel more comfortable on stage. And so then it just became second nature for me to do that. And so then when I was at NASA, media training became my new job. Wow. And I got assigned the lead engineer on the mission who is a dear friend of mine, his name is Adam Stelzner. And we work together on all kinds of different scenarios. And, it, and you can prepare for a million scenarios and it'll be the one that you didn't prepare for that ends up happening the night of launch. And it was landing night, actually, when there were all these cameras in mission control and everybody was like, had their eyes on the lead engineer and all the people that were media trained and all of a sudden, we see some guy in mission control that has a mohawk. And I'm looking at the camera and I'm thinking, who is this person that is completely standing out on camera that the entire world is watching? And all of a sudden, the phone starts ringing and it's CNN, it's Fox News, it's ABC. We want to interview that mohawk guy. And I'm thinking, was he media trained? <laughs> no, actually. He wasn't. And so uh, I like pull him aside, open up my laptop and I'm standing up. I'm standing behind it and I'm holding up signs of, OK, don't say this. Say this. Don't say that. Like, we got to media train him there on the spot as he's taking interviews. And he's a his name's Bobak and he's a lovely man and super incredibly smart, very confident and just a natural like he was amazing. And such a great representative of engineering and ingenuity and all the amazing things that NASA is. But it was just a really fun man <laughs> and story to tell. Of course, Adam was also interviewed, but it was just fun that he came out of nowhere and we were able to media train him really fast and get him up to speed really fast. But it was just a crazy time to be there. And then I got 
pregnant with my daughter. I went on maternity leave and I just never went back. I couldn't go back to working those long hours and while I was trying to learn how to be a mom. And it was one of the, probably one of the hardest things professionally that I've ever done is give up that incredible job and that incredible experience to do something that mattered. But it was also very easy to let because I knew I had this big responsibility that I really wanted to have it mirror my life. My life has always been, and all the jobs I've always had, have always evolved or revolved around my interests. And once I had my daughter, I'm like, okay, this is it. This is my interest. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have to somehow create a job around my daughter. And then that's when I launched PR Vega, really unknowingly. Like I, I was wearing my daughter in this room and that I discovered through a blogger. And I emailed the person who made the rep and she was on Etsy. And at that time, Etsy had like emails that you can just direct contact the seller. And I said, I don't, I left my job. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's next for me, but I know I love this thing that I discovered through a blogger. Can I help you? Are you, do you need PR help? And she said, well, I'm making these out of my living room and I don't have money to pay anyone, but maybe we can brainstorm and like once a month. And as her business grew, my involvement within that company also grew. It turned into meetings every two weeks. It turned into meetings once a week. It turned into a part-time job. It turned into a full-time support role. And I was focused on PR, marketing, communications, collaborations. It was like when you're one of the first employees at a startup, you wear all the hats. And it was really fun at that time because it was the very beginning of Instagram. Instagram had just started, and I remember the conversation with her being like, should we start an Instagram account? Sure. <laughs> Let's do it. And then it turned into, oh, there are people that have 2,000 followers. Like, we should send them stuff. And then it turned into, oh, we should maybe do a collaboration with a really, no re really well-known like designer and make it exclusive. And then it it just evolved from there. We were learning as we were going. And I also met a ton of other brands that were in that same startup stage. And then they would reach out to me and say, oh, Priscilla, can you help us the same way you help that brand? And I said, sure. And so eventually it was I had I was working with three brands. I was working with five. And then when I had when I hit 10. Oh, wow, this is this is my thing. Like, yeah. I'm, a donor. I'm an entrepreneur myself. And it was not I thought I was going to be in the movie industry. I thought I was going to work for a PR agency. Turns out I was going to have my own PR agency and it was always written in the stars. And so here we are. And also my initials are PR. Thanks. Wow. Like I, I always say I didn't choose the job. It chose me. It's just that I just got really lucky that I fell into something that I love so early on. Wow. It really, it is an incredible story. I feel like you're like a very powerful person. You like, your ability to follow your gut and stay in alignment is incredible and really cool. I can't take full credit for that. I definitely get knocked off my alignment, but it's just, I have to keep reminding myself like what that feeling is like when I do feel aligned mm. and then just do the work to get 
Do you have advice for people who in their careers right now feel out of alignment, but maybe are, I don't know, when you tell your story, I don't hear a lot of fear. Like I hear, was it there? Or is, are you just, are you just, I'm just going to trust this. I'm going to go with it. Like, how does that, what's the internal experience like for you? Yeah. Fear is not really a word in my vocabulary. I mean, about a year ago, I decided I wanted to do something that I, I feared and it was open water swimming. And I just went out there and I open water swim and I know there are sharks around me, but I just keep swimming. And it's really interesting to me that I'm not, I don't, I'm not, what's the word, feared of fear. I have fear of things um, because I just always trust that it's going to work. I just trust, and there's that word again, trust, but that what I'm doing, I do it with intention and I'm a bit of an optimist in that way. It'll just work out. And so I just roll with the punches. Um, also, that word imposter syndrome, the first time I heard it, I was so sad. I was like, oh, no, this is going to be a thing. Like, people are going to use this word all the time to identify feeling worthy of something. Mm-hmm. And that really just bums me. Because if you're doing it, then you're worthy. Like, I may not be the most successful PR person, but I'm doing it. So I'm worthy of this work. And I'm not, I know I'm not the best mom, but I'm doing it. And I'm worthy of like kids and everything I do. So I think we turn that lens just a smidge. Whenever anyone says imposter syndrome or like my clients, they're like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, nobody knows. No one knows what I'm doing. (laughs) But the point is to just keep moving forward. Let's just keep getting it. And perception is everything in this work. Like when you're, when you get one press hit, it may not be the biggest press hit, but you can make it the biggest press hit. Like you can talk about it all the time. And then everyone that's watching, yeah, Priscilla picked up in Next Door Magazine. No one knows what Next Door Magazine is, but it doesn't matter. Like you got picked up, <laughs> you got picked up in a magazine and that's, amazing and then just giving people the room to celebrate you Uh, clients say oh it feels like self-promotion and it feels like i'm bragging or gloating it's yeah good for you like you did that work talk about it it's not bragging you're just talking about it it's a huge accomplishment achievement you're proud of yourself tell people that you're proud of yourself and then people will be proud of you too Oh my gosh, there's so much you just said that I am obsessed with. First, on just to go back to open wa- water swimming, like what an incredible metaphor. It seems like you're just like building into your day where you're like, I'm swimming among the sharks, but I just trust I'm going to be okay. Like that's so cool and so brave. And um, what you're saying too about being in it and doing the work and letting that be good enough, like, that resonates with me so hard. Actually, like I, I was a few months ago, I was talking to my therapist. I'm talking about the business and I'm like, I don't, I'm just like, it's still like taking shape. I'm loving it some days and other days feeling just, I don't know, anxious or comparing. And she was like, you're in it. 
She's like, it doesn't matter. She's you're in it and you're doing what you want to do and you're making it work. And just by doing the work, it's it's good and and it was really powerful and and perception. That's I totally hear you on that. I was I feel so often too, like with clients I'm working with, they're like, it feels braggy. I don't want to put that out there, cringe or and I love the way you phrased it though. I've never articulated it that way. It's giving people the room to celebrate you because like people want to celebrate their friends and the people that they know. They want to be like awesome job with your next door interview. Like they want to give you a like on social and give you congrats. But we're so often, I feel like so many people have a lot of resistance about like putting themselves, like asking for support in a way. And especially if people have been following you for a while and they've been with you for a while, they feel like they're part of your journey. They've mm-hmm. seen you grow and they've seen you have successes and they want to celebrate They want to continue to be a part of your journey. They want to see that you're moving forward. I always, and I also, when there's times where I feel like, oh, things are not working for me, like I didn't get this one client that I want, or I'm pushing so hard for this press hit for this client, it's not happening. To me, it says, oh, a big win is on. That's just how I always see it. When things feel real down, it's just because something's going to come. Something. Uh, and I literally had this feeling a couple weeks ago. And I thought, okay, a big one. It's around the corner. I know it. And then you emailed me and asked me to be on your podcast. No way. That's okay. when. That's what I needed. I needed that to shake me up and remind me that you're in the right, you're in the right place, Priscilla. You're doing the work. And you got your way. Priscilla, I'm literally like freaking out right now because I had a client email today, a prospect who seems like pretty eager, but they were like, I just need two more weeks. We're finalizing budget. Can I come back? Blah, blah, blah. And I, I can't say it. it wasn't like heart sinking disappointment. I'm like, all right, it would be fine if they don't. It doesn't, it's not the end of the world. And it's not a hard no. But I then had this thought. I was like, sometimes when someone says no, I then get a weird big yes. I literally, I, I had that thought today and you're saying it like, I totally agree. And what a helpful way to look at the inevitable setbacks of running a business. I feel like your mindset is so incredible. Like when it comes to just being a business owner, and I suppose, what do I even want to ask here? What advice do you have for business owners who are in the thick of it right now? I think business owners always feel like they're in the thick of it. Hmm. it's even if they have a success, they're still always thinking about what's next and like, how do I continue to be successful? And I think some of the the most successful business owners have it the hardest because they think, have I peaked? Is that Mm -hmm. it? Whereas the startup people that are just on the ground trying to have their mark in the world, they're so head down. Like they're just trying to, do all the things and they don't even have the space to think right and that's why it's like a lot of times I love working with startups because they're so like raw and they're so like aggressive in their approach and a lot of them are fearless because they think they can't get any worse than what it is right now because I'm just starting so I might as well try all things and be creative and be adventurous and do that. Whereas 
when you're really successful, you've had that experience of setbacks and you've had the experience of what really works and you fall into continuing to do what really worked. But the difference is people are evolving. The way consumers are absorbing information is changing and you can't do what worked before because it might not and what will likely not work in the future. Your audience is changing always, every day. So you have to have that startup entrepreneurial mindset all the time to be creative, to be fearless, to be aggressive, to roll up your sleeves and, and do the work. Um, so yeah, so I think anyone who's in the thick of it, I just like to remind them everyone's in the thick like you're not unique in that way. And if you're an entrepreneur, you've already got one of the hardest jobs out there. Yeah, I like that. You're always in the thick of it. I know we talked about this like a few weeks ago when we chatted, but you, I feel like you really articulated what the past few years have been like from a business perspective for small to medium business owners. Could you talk a little bit about your sense of the landscape right now? What you think 2024 is going to look like? I know it's a general question. Yeah, I think obviously the way we look at things now, I feel was like before pandemic, pandemic, like how we reference time. Yeah. And like before the pandemic, a lot of the work I did was, again, intuitive, and also a bit of fortune-telling element to it. During the pandemic, I was the busiest I've ever been because I was doing a lot of like media consulting, a lot of crisis communications mode. Everybody was in crisis communications mode during the pandemic. And I had to, I found that I had to like space out my meetings. Like before I would take meetings, during the pandemic, I had to give myself hour breaks in between because the truth was no one knew what was happening. No one knew what was going to happen next month, next six months from now. Yeah. I definitely didn't know. But anytime I got on a call with the client, they were paying me to know. <laughs> so I had to come in it with this confidence of, okay, this is what, this is how people are going to absorb information. And this is how people are going to want to be marketed during this time. And now it's like everyone can take a breath of fresh air because we've survived that. And now people are trying to figure out what's the new, what's the new way? How are we all? How are we communicating with each other? And I find that brands have had a real difficult time since 2021. Like 2021 was a hard year. 2022 was even harder. And if you survive 2023, then you're going to be golden for 2024. Like we're on, we're, we need a win. <laughs> and it's coming. It's around the corner. A lot of brands had to shut their doors in 2020. It was like, this is it. We barely made it and we can't keep going. The brands that are still around are the ones that are going to have a good year this year. I think 2024 is like people are ready to get to what it used to be and brands need to speak from a place of what do not what do people want to hear more who are we what brand are we because that's what people want to know don't market me because you think i know you think you know what i want. show me who you are 
and let me make the decision whether or not I want to support you, whether or not I want to buy from you, whether or not I want to be on your journey. Thank, thank you for all that. I feel like you're like 2021, 22, 23 were all like the hard nose and 2024 is the like unexpected win coming around the corner. But yes. so when you, that's really interesting when you're like, they don't, people, we want brands to show us who they are and let us decide how we're going to engage with them or move mm -hmm. forward with them as opposed to barking at them. I think that's really interesting and it f feels right to me. Can you think of are there do's and don'ts around that from your perspective? Avoid the hard sell. What does that look like in practice, maybe from a PR perspective? Yeah, I think that's really specific to every brand. Like a hard sell can sound kind of cringy, but for some brands that works. Like yeah. you need to buy now. <laughs> and that's why you need to buy this thing, right? That works for some brands. For other brands, it's, I don't even, I don't even care that you sell like I want to support you so whatever it is like I love your personal story so whatever it is that you're selling like I'm gonna buy it really just depends on the brand no that makes sense well okay I know we don't have too much time left but I feel like I could not I have to ask you about your cup of joe profile because oh, speaking yeah. of like personal stories I feel like being profiled on Cup of Joe is like the crowning jewel in a personal brand, I think. Yes. And like, is. how did that come about? Tell me everything. Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I, I have been pitching Joanna for like over a decade. She, when her blog was really small, I remember thinking, I love her writing. Like her yeah. writing, I feel like she's just talking to me. She really, the way she writes is like talking to your best friend. And I'm so happy for her and her success and her journey. And anytime she talks about anything, I'm like, yes, girl. Yes. Like she speaks to me. She sees my soul. Anyway, I pitch her all the time. She's my number one. Like anytime I have a brand, no, no matter what it is, it could be like toothpaste. It could be like. <laughs> Anything. I'm like, you need to be featured on Cup of Joe. Like everyone needs to be featured on Cup of Joe. So I just pitch Joanna all the time. And I think that's how like she knows me is just from my constant pitching. And then we went on a family vacation to Montana. And of course, because Montana is so beautiful, I was posting all these beautiful images. And she reached out to me and said, oh, would you be interested in doing our our fashion feature and it's like I had to reread the email like 100 times at least like she wanted to feature me and my five days of outfits like five different outfits that I wear in any given week and I said yes and then she connected me with a photographer who's a good friend of mine Nikki Sebastian and then we set a date to photograph and even then I thought in my mind this is there's no and then we shot the images. And even then, I was like, this is happening. And then I got the images back. And then Joanna interviewed me and she called me. And this is the first time I her on the phone. Always been email communication for a decade. And then she had the most beautiful, wonderful questions. And of course she did. She's a phenomenal writer. She's an amazing interviewer. It was so lovely to talk to her and to just have a conversation and the end of that call, I even thought, did I say anything worth saying? I don't even, 
is this happening still? And then she gave me the date when my feature was going to go live. And even then, I didn't think it was happening. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And it happened. And this was now like, what, five years ago, maybe? I still feel like it was yesterday. And I still get people like, like, we're talking about it right now. Like, yeah, is everything. And felt like the biggest one of my career highlights for sure. So I'm glad you asked me about that. I haven't really had opportunity to know that says so it's just great. No, I love her too. I agree. She's such a good writer. I feel like I admire so many things about Joanna, but one of them in particular is I feel like she has the little turns of phrase that are like succinct ways of even CTAs, like click the link to see it. She'll do it in subtle, like a subtle way where you don't feel like pushed or sold to like she's just like love this pretty top like it's here if you're interested and I'm like yes I am interested in everything you post Joanna of course I'm gonna look at the shirt but it's not like it's the opposite of like pushy like hat like fear-based if you don't have these 10 items in your wardrobe like you're a you're gonna look like a slob this fall it's isn't this like a pretty french inspired top i I just not even i feel like that's even too high level and is doing her disservice by implying that it's more surface level than it is i I agree i think she's like a bit of a genius actually i pitched her a couple she's a maybe for this podcast which really killed me and then i think the woman who runs her awesome substack subscribed to content people's substack and i freaked out for a few minutes so I but I okay sorry I'm babbling because what I also really want to know more about too is I'm so interested in the process so you get on a call or a video call and Joanna herself is there asking you these questions yes she just emailed me and she's okay the pictures look great I want to just ask you a few questions for the feature are you available tomorrow at this time yes clear my schedule to talk to (laughs) And she called me and it was just a con- it was just a conversation. It wasn't even like a list of questions. It was just like we just and then from there she wrote this beautiful feature that I was just honored to just have Joanna talk about me. And yeah, Bogley like on my tombstone, in my obituary. <laughs> and featured on Cup of Jow. <laughs> click here yeah. to read if you like. <laughs> if you click here to see the feature. Do you so you do your own photos? Like you provide the photos for it. Um, they don't send. No, she set me up with the photographer. The photographer just happened to be my friend. Yeah, and she sets you up. She has a photographer come to your house. Of course, like I did the fashion feature, so it was like all my own clothes. And I didn't go and get anything new for it. Like I wanted it to be actually clothes that I wore, that I felt comfortable in, that I loved. So yeah, so it was like a mix of like vintage pieces and brands that women-owned brands that I support well we'll put the link to it in the show notes because also that's how I came to know you I remember when it went up I emailed you and that was the first time we had a conversation I don't know if you remember that but it was a big deal to me that you even replied so you're famous cup of joe association cup of joe was a very exciting time and I did to her credit because she's built such a beautiful community like everyone that has come my way from that feature has been like, has become a friend and is someone that I enjoy working with, someone I've worked with, someone that I even just had conversations with and coffee with. It's just been really, she has created quite something like super special and magical. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you feel like you'd want to talk about or say? Um, no, this feels really good. And I'm just going to leave it at this. Like it's nice kind of ending on that connection of how we met and our mutual admiration for Joanna. Um, and again, like we're talking about it five years later, we might be talking about this podcast five years. Yeah. Hopefully in five years, we're both like, huh, some, what's my fantasy? I suppose some book agent slash like someone's listening and they're like, whoa, Stella should both write a book. Ah, okay. I can see that. With your fantasy, what's your hope for five years from now? You get the call. They're like, hey, you heard this random conversation. Yeah. I, five years from now, let's see, my kids, I will have teenagers and I just hope that they like me (laughs) and I continue to be just doing the work that I love and also just falling back on my wins. Yeah. Remembering all my wins and holding them to remind myself another win. I love that. Another win is around the corner. Let's end on that. Yes. That sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a treat. No, same. I'm going to stop recording. Hey, content people. Do you mind if I call you that? If you like the show, there are a few ways you can stay in touch and support us. The first is you could subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. The second is you could leave a five-star rating and a review. Those make a really big impact. I know they're kind of a pain and they take a little bit of time, but if you're feeling generous and you've been listening to the show, I'd appreciate it so much. And the third is you could sign up for the Content People newsletter. The link is in the show notes. We share news about the show and episodes. And I also write a lot about the intersection between work and creativity, which is kind of at the heart of so many of these Content People conversations. We also love feedback. If you want to request a guest or a topic, pitch yourself to be on the show, advertise with us, learn more about Medberry's social media, or otherwise just be in touch, shoot me an email. I would love to hear from you. It's Meredith at MedburyAgency.com. That's M-E-D-B-U-R-Y agency.com. I will throw that in the show notes too. All right, till next time.